And it's up to each of us to be, have honest conversations with self. Um, and really, and, and that's one thing, if, if you wanna be an effective ally, you have to be real with self right about now. Hello friend, I'm so grateful that you're here. You're listening to Your Spin Out is Gorgeous, a podcast of communion, a place where we connect within the full spectrum of humanity. My name is Natalie Q, and I'm your host. I'm a mother, a lover, a friend, and your fellow human. What I want to offer you is liberation from the cultural foists, the narratives that are thrust upon us and guide much of our experience here on the planet. I'm with you on your journey of unlearning. What if everyone you knew was pursuing a life of whole self-integration, witnessing and offering thanks for all that they are, warts and all? That's not just self-care, that's true, unconditional self-love. And I want to be there with you as you set your life and all the things that aren't serving you alight. With you as you bravely consider life from another perspective. Let's explore all things humanity without the veneer, together. Life examined, not just the pretty parts. You in? Let's do this. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on this very special episode of Your Spin Out is Gorgeous. I'm your host, Natalie Q. And today my guest is Cache Prescott. She is the owner of Shift Matters, a learning space dedicated to helping individuals and organizations be intentional, responsible, and accountable for how they show up and move in the world. She's also a podcaster herself. She hosts a show called All Things Unlearned, which I love. Um, I am just such a fan of the unlearning process and the accountability process and the deeper examination process. So I know you're going to want to tune into that. She examines unlearning is a powerful tool for personal growth and transformation and shares the inspiring unleashing journey of people from all walks of life. Today, our chat is centered around race and being an ally and what that looks like. And I know this has been just a real week of highs and lows as we examine, um, take a deeper microscope to the injustices around us and hold our people in power to a greater um, accountability as well as ourselves. And it has meant, I'm sure for you, as it has for me, difficult and uncomfortable conversations with friends that I thought were going to be lifetime friends that I'm possibly not. Um, I've lost some followers, but I've gained many, many more. Um, it's, it's, you know, these, these things might be new for some of us. And I know, you know, I'm, I'm examining myself and I've seen this echoed with some other creators who just weren't as vocal in the space as they could have. Um, been like me, which is so interesting because this has quietly been an extremely, um, a topic I'm extremely passionate about. And I have some big plans, like so big and so controversial as I've been workshopping what I want to do in this space for 10 years. Um, and I've been really ramping that up in private conversations over the last couple of months. I just, I, what's so exciting about this moment is like, maybe we're finally ready to have conversations that I think secretly we've really wanted to have for a long time, but we just haven't known how, but even that is a little shameful because we should have figured out how, frankly, but that's okay. Uh, Cachet offers a lot of generosity and it's actually really kind of fun because, um, she was so 
full of grace as I bumbled and stumbled. And I'm just going to give voice to like how difficult it is sometimes as a white person in that you just don't want to offend and you don't want to say the wrong thing and you don't know what to say. And are we've been really clunky around figuring things out and being able to, with a, a an intention of of humility and being able to learn and being able, Cache mentions it, like we're going to make some missteps. I might have even made some missteps in this interview. I might be making missteps right now. I know that you feel that and I feel it too. Um, But we just move forward anyway. So uh, what is so exciting, as I said about this week and, and beyond into the future, I hope, of highs and lows is as we mourn and as we grieve and as we're angry, we're also opening up such a beautiful conversation that has been a long time coming. And I'm so honored to be a part of it with Cache. And without further ado, here she is. Okay, and welcome to the show, Cache Prescott. Hi, how are you, Natalie? I'm well. Thank you so much for being here. It's my honor. And I so appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you for having me. Great. Wonderful. Well, we're going to get into some big topics. We're going to um, discuss some things that are on everybody's mind and heart right now. And, you know, really, really just get into it and discuss this and, and open up a conversation that I hope will be helpful for people who don't know what to do, what to say, but they want to be a good ally. and They don't know how to do it and are feeling some guilt, are feeling some deep feelings and some anger. And we're going to discuss all of that, but let's properly introduce you to give that context (laughs) of who you are and a little bit about your story. So um, as you mentioned, I'm Cache and I have a podcast called All Things Unlearned. And um, we focus on just the topic of unlearning the things that no longer serve you. So right now it's quite appropriate as uh, you know, for what's going on now. And in the thick of everything with um, George Floyd's murder, um, I always intended to talk about the topic of unlearning racism. That was always on um, my radar because um, my background, I'm a social scientist by trade, uh, by training. Um, So I have a master's in sociology. I have a um, master's in applied psychology as well. And I teach psychology and I taught sociology for eight years. So I'm all in the social sciences. and I also uh, had a concentration in race, race and ethnicity. So this was something I knew always needed to be discussed. Um, I just didn't realize that it was going to come to the forefront in this way. Um, but I'm glad that we are in a place and space where it seems like people are ready, mm-hmm. um, ready for the conversations. Um, and and they're, quite frankly, as you know, they're very uncomfortable conversations. Yes, they um, are. Uh, you know, there are some people that, you know, they, they don't care. They don't want to have those conversations. And quite frankly, I'm not trying to convince someone um, that they there are some things that need to be changed. My goal is to have the conversations with the people that genuinely are seeking first to understand, uh, you know, what the experience is like for us. Um, last night, I had a Facebook Live um, related to unlearning racism, and the focus was racial trauma, uh, because a lot of people do not think about how this psychologically affects uh, Black people. When we see these things, these murders on on TV, live, in action, um, and then to have it repeatedly put in front of our faces by the media, 
and to feel as if our hurt is dismissed, as if we are supposed to just carry on as if nothing happened. And um, it's tough because I understand that there are people that are allies for us that just don't know what to say right now. Uh, It's hard. They don't know how to approach the conversations. They don't know what to do. Um, And so my goal is just to start the combo, start the combo and to hopefully try to do my part um, because as an activist or an advocate, my way of advocating for my people or anybody that I feel is marginalized in some way, shape or form um, is to educate. And so that's what my goal is in just having these conversations and trying to create space for the people that genuinely want to learn. Yes, yes. I I think what's so exciting about this moment is that it's can it's it's it cannot be undone. True. So different things. I I we had a conversation before about where my mind and heart has been at for mm. a decade. Um, I was very blind to that to it before that point, and my mind has been awakening and awakening. And you know, even it's it's interesting as a white person to sort of gauge the journey. A little bit about me that I didn't share with you. I lived overseas. I left the U.S. when I was 22, and okay. I didn't return until my mid-30s, and I had been divorced at that point. And um, in the first couple of months before, uh, or when I when I got home, I had a really good relationship with my ex-husband at that time. <laughs> Not so much now, as people <laughs> on this podcast may know, but um, at that time, he, he was living like an hour south of Salt Lake City where we live, and I was living in Salt Lake City. So he went out on a date. Um, he had been dating an African-American woman, and he ended up marrying her. So this isn't about her, but this is about another woman he was on a date with who was studying something at the University of Utah, to, like your background, social justice okay. kind of stuff. And she asked him, what are you doing to end white male privilege? Oh. Right? <laughs> and he came back because he didn't want to drive all the way home to my house. And he told me about this conversation. And we'd only been home from Australia for a couple of months at that point, or a couple of weeks. And we just stared at each other like... Huh? Huh? <laughs> what does what does she mean? Like we didn't get Ow. it, right? And this is what I mean. Like I want to confess some sins here because I think I want to give voice to people who are maybe feeling a sense of guilt that they didn't see it sooner, that they didn't understand sooner, or that it wasn't on their mind. Like they mm-hmm. were so privileged for it to not be on their mind. Absolutely. Um, but now are ready to go. Uh, I think there's also been this defense, right? Of like, I'm not, well, I'm not right. Not me. <laughs> not, I would have yep. raised And those people are terrifying me in this moment because what they've basically just announced is that they are. There's like a, an inverse correlation, right? That we can mm-hmm. draw from how willing and ready someone is, is ready to admit that they're, they were born into a racist system that was meant to oppress certain of us and meant to give certain of us opportunities and privilege. And we're rewarded to play that role and ignore the injustice of it. And in fact, not even witness it. And so in those moments, when people announce that to me, they announce that they have built up a barricade against receiving any information that would make them witness. And as a white person that is 
seeing that more than I've ever seen that this week. I am so angry and sad, and I just cannot imagine what you guys have lived through for this generation and the several hundred years. And it really has been, I think it's been eye-opening for you know people like yourself, people like me. Um, and I'm of the mindset of my, my Angelou, when you show me who you are, I'm going to believe you. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people throughout this week. And, you know, when all these incidents happen, because, of course, this is not the first time, you know, we had three major incidents that we are aware of in 2020 thus far. And it's only June. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, we keep having these um, instances and people keep showing themselves for who they are. And um, one thing that you you bring up is the fact that there are a lot of people that are getting defensive and making it about them. Yes. And, <laughs> and it's oh, not about you. <laughs> it's not about you. It's not about one cop. It's not about George Floyd. It's not about one thing, but especially not about you. I'm so sickened. I had a really difficult discussion with a, someone I thought I was really close with, mm-hmm. with from high school who posted a blue lives matter and an all lives matter. I don't think I'll ever speak with her ever again. Mm-hmm. Quite honest with you in this moment, unless she comes back. And I had to say, you know, just different things. Like I know that you've worked with the police. Sure. What would your post have looked like if you had spent 10 years with people of color instead of the police, what would your post have looked like then? Mm-hmm. And, and there any backlash, it seemed like that she received about this post made her go to this place to make her second post. You like me or you don't. And, blah, blah, blah. and I just went, what are you doing? And it's not about you. It's no, not about you. It's not. And, and of course, all lives matter. Any, any life <laughs> matters. But if all lives genuinely mattered, we wouldn't even have to have a Black Lives Matter movement. That's right. We would not have to try to make it clear that we matter if all lives genuinely did matter. That's right. Uh, When somebody doesn't see it, uh, can't see it, won't see it, like, are they just a lost cause? Or what do we do? Because I, obviously people like me, this is so so rich with opportunity of Mm -hmm. having a discussion where we can admit our faults, where we can say that we're where we can admit that we've done that. Can I admit one right now? Absolutely. <laughs> I had control door to door when I was 20 and I moved to Orlando, Florida. And, you know, Utah is very, very white, obviously. I think of 1800 students, there were, there were a lot of like Polynesians and Latinos, Hispanics, but there were only two black girls out of 800 in my whole high school. So we didn't have a lot of experience and college too. I was a sophomore in college. So, um, I moved to Orlando, which is obviously very different demographic. And I just loved it. And I felt so connected and I was knocking doors to go sell pest control. And I just loved their hair and their braids. So I did it. Cachet. I am so sorry. Wait a minute. I had you, someone you touch? Braids. I, no, yes. And I asked, and I've done that too. I have asked if I could touch hair. I have done that. I am so sorry on behalf of everyone who is also sorry. We are so sorry. I didn't know. And I, I got, I had them do braids in my hair and I, uh, once the braids were done, I, I did dreads. Like, did you I, really? I really did. I looked like a cabbage patch doll. <laughs> like, like yarn. And I, I mean, it's just like things like that, that you just go back to that were just so thoughtless and dumb. And actually, I think, again, giving voice to someone like me, 
they weren't coming out of a place of malice. They, yeah. but they were coming out of a place of ignorance. And that is important to address because that ignorance Absolutely. is not going to be acceptable moving forward. We must do better. Maya Angelou again, right? When you know better, oh, you do better. True. And I didn't know better at that time. And I'm also sorry about that. <laughs> I will <laughs> accept my apology. <laughs> because I've had the braids just touched. And that kind of leads me to one of the things I did want to talk about. This idea, you know, we always talk about the more blatant forms of mm-hmm. racism. Yeah. Uh, but then there are those seemingly innocuous forms of everyday racism. Yes. yes. And they're not necessarily, you know, meant to be um, disrespectful in any way, shape or form, but mm-hmm. they completely exist. So it's the touching of, of the hair or the braids or mm-hmm. um, making cups. So for instance, with COVID, of course, you know, everyone's wearing a mask. Um my hun- my husband, he is a, you know, darker skin, black man, bald, and he was very reluctant to even wear the mask to protect himself because he didn't want that to be uh, something that was going to cause problems for him, for right. people to look at him in a funny way. And then we had literally had that conversation. And then probably the next day, um, someone said to him jokingly, like, oh, man, you look like you're about to go rob uh, some- something just lending exactly to what we had literally just discussed the day before. Yeah. And so it's things like that or uh, little comments in the workplace or, you know, the, you're so articulate. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. I have never done that. I know I've like, never done that. What did you expect? <laughs> right. Right. The, it, that is the thing that that's, that's why I mentioned the, I'm not racist thing, because it's like, yes, it's impossible that you're not. And these are the ways racism doesn't look like lots of things don't look like we think they do. Rape doesn't always look violent. Exactly. Exactly. Racism doesn't always look black and white. Like that's not racism. Not that either. is, it is so much more subtle. And I, I, I like to liken it just to the, it's a silly example, but it kind of makes the point. So if you're, you know, you and your sibling are, you know, messing with each other and you have that sibling that's near you, but not touching you. And it's kind of the whole, I'm not touching you kind of thing. It's not that they're actually doing something to you, but it is, you, you know that they're bothering you some way, shape or form. They know that they're bothering you in some way, shape or form, but you can't prove it. You know, they're literally not touching you, um, but there is an effect from their actions. And that's exactly what it's like with the forms of everyday racism. You know, my my kids, um, I have three girls and they see it in their schools. And, you know, when the kids in their schools, my daughter, she's going to the eighth grade she says that the um, white kids in her school dropped the N bomb, the, the N word, on a regular basis. That like, is that is <laughs> unbelievable to me. I'm, we've seen a couple. I love TikTok, as people know. Um, a, you know these these cancel people canceled that mm-hmm. couple mm-hmm. that couple last month that had gone here's making a white a black person, and they were pouring things yep. into the mixture. I Did saw you- that. Oh, it was disgusting, wasn't it? It was just heartbreaking. Um, and then I saw another one yesterday from Humboldt State, a woman who, uh, 
I think she's on her way to get canceled. I think Humboldt is is investigating it because it was a, a video of her just saying the N word over and over and over again. I, I, it really just boggles my mind. Like that has been just sort of known that that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And it's actually embarrassing. Like I'm embarrassed for you. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just say out of your mouth, I'm hateful and ignorant. I know this is bad and I'm doing it anyway. I know that this hurts people and I'm doing it anyway because that's what kind of person that I am. You know, I, what? I that I don't understand it. I don't. But again, like you said, but I'm not racist. I, I have a black friend. I talk to black people. Well, racists talk to black people as well. So that's not justified. That's not good justification for not being a racist. So there's the the book, um, How to Be an Anti-Racist, um, that people are talking about um, lately by Ibram um, X. Kendi. Mm-hmm. And it really talks about this idea of anti-racism because the opposite of uh, racist is not I'm not a racist. The opposite of racism or racist is anti-racist. You are against it, period. Um, And he talks about in that book what that actually means and what that actually looks like. Um, And I think people, a lot of people, it's not, not that we don't have to be concerned about these people because we absolutely have to be concerned about the extremists. Um, because we we are seeing evidence of the things that they'll do and the measures they'll take um, to, you know, push for their own movements. Um, And discredit this movement. Absolutely. But we also have to be very clear about the middle, the very lukewarm middle that exists. um, That, again, they claim not to be racist, but, you know, most racists aren't going to call themselves racist, you know, unless you're extreme and you, you just, you know, don't care. Most people don't call themselves racist, but we all have all and every single person on this earth has their own unconscious biases um, that they deal with on the regular basis. You know, uh, I was talking to my, uh, the students I teach in my psychology class and, you know, like for instance, we have the confirmation bias. We get this one little bit of information and once we see that, oh, some, someone has fed into that stereotype or, you know, whatever we think is going to happen. Oh, well, they're all like that. Yeah. And, you know, just simple things like that um, where we consciously and unconsciously do it. But we do hold on to these bits of information that we have about a particular group of people, um, whether it be black people or Hispanic people, Asians or uh, the LGBTQ um, community, whomever it is. Um, we have these biases that exist and it's up to each of us to be, have honest conversations with self. Um, and really, and, and that's one thing, if, if you want to be an effective ally, you have to be real with self right about now. Um, it's not about beating up on yourself by any stretch of the imagination, but you have to have, do a real self check about some of the things that you believe about a certain group of people. Um, and that's so right, because think of the virtue signaling that you're trying to do as you announce to someone else, I'm not racist, Mm -hmm. which as I said to me signals to me, you actually are (laughs) racist and you're protecting your racism, Exactly, but you can't, there's no need to do that to yourself. Go look in the mirror and you take an honest assessment of yourself today of how actually I like anti-racist. I made a TikTok yesterday 
um, because this I'm not racist thing has just shook me to my core. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's canceled. There's a really cool creator who does these canceled videos. Like, you know, (laughs) it's officially now canceled and she does it on a piece of paper. So I made one and it's like, (laughs) I'm not a racist. It's actually canceled. It's being replaced by, I am an ally. You know, which I love. That's what, do not tell me you're not a racist. I am done with it. It's canceled. I am an ally is the only, and don't tell me if, if you were an ally, you, you wouldn't need to tell me you, you tell it to yourself. Like you were saying, you know, it in your heart, you're embodying it by your Your actions. actions. Exactly. Your actions will speak louder than words. And again, it's just the simple things. Um, I, in being an ally, just ask, and because I know, I understand the conversations right now are very uncomfortable. Some people just don't know what to say. And I completely understand that. But from uh, at a human level, <laughs> just show, showing empathy and asking, how are you? That's a, it, That does not mean you have to go into this deep conversation about race, but just simply asking um, the Black friends, colleagues, what neighbors, whomever, you have your strangers. Life. Are you? I I saw. I went. You know, we have all been quarantined, and I just I've, I've been so overwhelmed with how much this has meant to me and challenged me, mm-hmm. and the difficult conversations and losing followers. If you're losing followers, I'm losing followers. That's uh, fine. Yeah. But I'm gaining follow. I'm also gaining followers. Exactly. The people that need to hear it will hear it. So yes. But I saw. I went to and popped in and just was like, you know, I just need a beer. And I popped into this bar that happened to be open, even though we're supposed to be shut down um, because of the riots. But um, and I saw a beautiful African American woman, and I I was choking back tears, and I just wanted to ask her if I could hug her and if she was okay, but I didn't because I was like, maybe that's too weird to like do it to a stranger. Kesha, I think you advise me (laughs) what that would be like or feel like. I want to do so bad, but I didn't, I promise. And of course, it's definitely going to be person to person who, you know, how they feel about it. But for someone like me personally, if you would just say, hey, you know, I just wanted to, you know, with all that's going on, I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. You know, just even extending that question, um, first of all, would have blown me away because it's just like, okay, you don't even know me, but you care enough to ask. Yeah. Um, And uh, again, that's not stuff that I'm getting from the people that are actually in my network right now. I know part of it is due. Uh, I know part of it's due to the fear because they just don't know how to handle it. Part of it. Yeah. Um, but again, if we are supposed to have some type of relationship though, at the human level, yeah. extending empathy and just showing some kind of care, bec- uh, I, I think speaks volumes about you as a person. It's not about white and black. It's just about people. Mm-hmm. And so I've had people in my network that have absolutely reached out and checked on me. And I have so appreciated that. Um, But, you know, there's a a lot of people out there that are not reaching out either. And my place is not to judge them. Um, You know, they have their reasons for doing whatever they're doing or not doing what they're they're doing. Um, My goal in this time is to um, use the voice that I have to stand up for what I believe in. And to use my platform to speak on it, which is why I'm having these conversations. And to also, again, try to educate the people that genuinely want to learn. And that's where I am with it. 
Let me just highlight it though, because you know it hurts my feelings. I, I white friends of mine. I hear you, even if you're silent, I hear you. I hear that silence and it hurts my feelings. I cannot imagine you because you are people who this is about and and that silence of people that you thought were friends who yeah. likely, not to hurt your feelings, or who likely have used you as the black friend they have so they're not racist. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I mean... God, oh. I'm sure I'm the token black friend for a number of people. <laughs> oh, but you know, again, that's something they have to work on their own. Um, but if if ever anybody in my network or beyond wants to have the conversation, I'm open to having it because um, if you are genuinely seeking that understanding. Let's have a conversation. I'm all about having the conversations that matter. Um, and if you want to know and you want to talk and you want to understand, I can't do anything but respect that. And so I'll do my part. Or, I mean, let's address really quick, because this has happened to me, that you say the right thing, but it might be misconstrued or like people in the black community have been so hurt and their defenses are so up and yeah. confirmation bias it would yeah. work run in that community where like you see a white person and they're saying, so I don't, it was on um, TikTok on Fontra. I can't probably say her, her name. She's a very, very amazing popular TikToker. I'll link it in the show notes. Okay. I cannot believe she's a junior in high school. She has really? I don't know, probably a million or two million. Oh, wow. She, she's amazing followers on TikTok. And I made a comment on one of her posts and someone misread it as sort of like the opposite of what I was saying. Got it. With a TikTok I made yesterday. I made a TikTok yesterday addressing this. I'm not a racist. White privilege isn't real. And all of this for one cop and one murder. Mm -hmm. And I put it in the up and down thing, which is meant to mean like, you're a clown. You, if you're saying this, you're a clown. Yeah. And then the audio that was like, Ooh, girl, not a white refrigerator. Why? Ref let's go put your shoes on, you know, to like make fun of like how yeah. awful that is. If you're using this and being an, a murder apologist. So um, I, someone again, like misconstrued it as the exact opposite of the message of what I was saying. Got it. So when this happens, I think people like me who this means so much to, and are a little lost sometimes for the words or our place, where's my place? Like, uh, Glennon Doyle's book untamed is amazing at, okay. at racism, misogyny, and homophobia trifecta and talks about, um, how she was out in front of of a movement for, for this is a, a topic she's very passionate about about racism and then had a very big backlash event about this should not be a place where white women are at the front of this women of color need to be at the front of this and you as a support and it was in the book she details this big moment of like trying to be an ally and getting wounded. And this is our white fragility. I get that. Because it's like, oh, I tried to do the right thing and you hurt my feelings, you know? <laughs> Never mind then, you know? But yeah, it can feel like that. It can feel like, oh my God, like my heart is so pure and I don't know where to start. And I take a step forward and then I stumble and then I feel like shit and I don't want to feel like that. So I'll retreat. Can we speak to that a little bit? Sure. So I think... Um 
because I have seen it. <laughs> I've seen a lot of it in the, particularly in this past week um, where people have had some missteps. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would suggest is if you do have people, uh, whomever the group is that you're, you're serving as an ally to, um, because, you know, this is also, you know, for every group that is marginalized in some way, shape or form. But of course, right now we're talking about black people having a, a genuine conversation with people about um, if that are in your network, you know, what are the, th- how are the ways in which you would want someone to serve as an ally for you? You know, what does that look like? Um, just creating the space for that conversation um, because it's tough. I know you can't run everything by a black person. I'm not saying that <laughs> um, <laughs> because, you know, that also puts a lot of work yeah. on, on our plates as well. Totally. Totally. Um, Thank you for but saying. when you can have those conversations, have the conversations, but sometimes you're going to have to do it scared, mm-hmm. take the leap. Um, there, I, there are people that are going to be offended at every turn, um, no matter what you do, whether it's this movement or something else, there are people that are going to find a way to be offended about something. And there's unfortunately nothing you can do about that. Um, but if you find yourself in a place and space where somebody has misunderstood what you're saying, um, I would challenge you to reach out to them and, you know, just say, Hey, you know, that's not how I intended it at all. If it, you know, it can move beyond just the comment section or whatever, but taking the, trying to take them aside, maybe through DMS or messenger or whatever to explain your stance and to let them know that you did not mean it in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's a a lot of miscommunication happening now and a lot of, or, or a lack thereof in a lot of circumstances. But um, I think that you should still make the attempt. Right. And, and you're dovetailed with not making it about you as well. True. Like true. Don't, don't let your feelings be hurt if someone misunderstood you or else you're just doing what <laughs> the very thing that you saw in someone else that they're making it about them. Exactly. Exactly. And making it about you. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> Um, you know, it's a catch 22 at times, but really and truly, um, I, I, I like that you bring that up. Just don't make it about you. I mean, it's, it's annoying mm-hmm. when you feel misunderstood, but this is the opportunity to still press forward and uh, create a space of understanding between you and another person um, and hopefully bridge the gap uh, because that gap is just ginormous at this point in time. And that's the whole point of this. I, I, I encourage anybody that sees themselves as an ally to really commit to the movement and not just the moment. Uh, yes. Because it sounds great now and everyone's just, you know, doing these self-assessments in the moment. But I, I wanted to move beyond the month of June. <laughs> I wanted to move beyond 2020. I want this to become a way of life for people that do consider themselves to be allies. Uh, because these conversations are so important. Martin Luther King has a, a quote, um, and I'm going to butcher it. So, but to paraphrase it, um, he says basically, "I can't be who I'm meant to be, or I can't be who I ought to be, until you become who you ought to be." Um, you know, there's this interrelated dependency on each other, and that could not be more true about this particular moment. Um, there, are, black people need these allies. We need the people that see us as people, that see us as human beings, so that we can um, also have access to resources and opportunities and um, 
you know, not have to be concerned about our loved ones when they walk out the door. You know, when we're in a place and space where we can live just as comfortably as the next person, then we can, uh, there are so many things that we can do as a human race, not just, you know, white, black, whatever, but as a human race. Yeah. Can we speak a little bit about the fear of speaking out? I I wonder how many people have had experiences like I have had this Mm -hmm. week of like the zeitgeist opened, right? But it only opened so far in that to now have the microphone there and the eyeballs on it and it is the topic of the day still doesn't mean like your relationships, maybe even with your mom, Mm -hmm. with people extremely close to you aren't going to be challenged. And that's scary because that's how it was designed. The system was designed to keep people oppressed. The system was designed knowing your psychology better than you know your psychology. Mm -hmm. The system knows that a large number of people will all of us do, but some of us are more prone to it than others uh, of confirmation bias, knowing that no matter what is actually happening, if they control the narrative, you'll see what you want to see. Oh, definitely. And that's why we have all this backlash right now. But what I t- I, I put on my door where I live in a building and people walk past it, I put Black Lives Matter, and I put um, something else, um, Justice for George Floyd, it was like three different papers, and mm-hmm. I was so scared. I was, I, w- I was actually, I was actually scared because I was home alone, and I was like, "What if there's retribution?" And it was just that little taste of what Black people in this country have felt for yeah. 500 years. But then I was also worried for my neighbor because my neighbor, and she would have, it would have been the first thing she saw when she woke up and she's African American. Uh-huh. And she, and so she, I was worried for her if someone vandalized it, but luckily they didn't. And I think she added to it and taped a picture, which was so cute. And then I said, thank you. And so we're having this little conversation through the door. That's sweet. <laughs> it was, but then a step further, I'm probably going to get arrested for this. My sister or my daughter and I, went out and we sidewalk chalked all over our city Black really? justice for George. Yeah. At like two in the morning, get, almost getting caught so many times, so many cop cars running back. And it was just like that feeling of like, this is what they feel every day to just speak up for themselves and advocate for themselves. This is the fear. And so I just was feeling like, Oh my God, someone was going to, someone, someone knows like, it's just that fear of knowing it. And then the next morning there was a knock at the door. And I was like, shit, because nobody knows where I live. And then it looked like they were holding their thumb over the door thing. Uh And then they started trying to get in. And this went on for like 25 minutes. I was about to call the cops. I know. (laughs) I know. I was terrified, but it ended up being my son for 25 minutes. And it wasn't tape. It wasn't them holding their thumb over the keyhole. It was my my own Black Lives Matter sign. Wow. (laughs) But just that little taste of the fear of like, okay, I'm going to jeopardize my safety. I'm going to jeopardize breaking the law a little bit. I'm going to jeopardize making my views public. I'm going to jeopardize myself. I, that's the first time I never felt fear like that. And And it's fear that's daily for you guys. Yeah. And advocacy or being an ally is uncomfortable and you're you're seeing firsthand what what that looks like, um, and I tell p- people that you know you have to f- figure out what advocacy looks like for you. Mm-hmm. 
what's your comfort level. But to be perfectly honest, you as an ally, you have to get very comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, because as you mentioned, this is something that we live with day in and day out. Uh, we never get to be off guard. Yeah. We never get to just have a moment to just breathe or to just rest. Um, you know, there's the the situation last week with Amy Cooper, the woman Amy Cooper with the, you know, in Central Park and Christian Cooper, the the black male bird watcher. Yeah. And, you know, simple things like that. That was calculated. She premeditated basically what she was going to say um, to you know, elicit this response from people uh, you know, about her fearing for her life. And this man was just trying to watch and bird watch and then calling her out about the fact that she illegally had her dog unleashed. Um, but she, I, I guess she just figured he, uh, how dare he, how dare this black man, and, you know, I'm going to call the cops and I'm going to say that, you know, I, I, I fear for my life and all this other stuff. Had he not gotten that on tape or on camera, his story could have been very different. That's the story is not on camera must be happening this very minute. Exactly. All the time. And we have to be on guard at all moments and think about that every time we do anything. Just simply dr driving down the street or going to the store, you know, d simple things that other people just take for granted that they never have to think about. We have to always think about my husband, whenever we go out to eat, he is always surveying and looking and making sure he's, oh, he doesn't have his back to the door. Um, he is always aware of the exits um, because that's just what we have to do. And so, yeah, it, being an ally. You would carry in your body for living life like that minute by minute is it's reprehensible that our system is built that again and again one cop one man this isn't this is that i feel the 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 advocacy and the privilege that those people will have my back and are there to serve me and entire races of people fear them and and fear me mm -hmm. rightly so because we have been oppressors and we fail you you cannot heal what you will not see. You cannot, Perfect. we have not healed it. We cannot, I, I was for Marianne Williamson because of reparations. I believe we need to be paying reparations mm -hmm. because uh, as, as a tie into your Martin Luther King quote, I can't hurt you without hurting me. It appears like we're privileged, but we're hurting ourselves because we're all humanity and a system that is not just for, uh, for all hurts us too, because it's evil. It does. It does. We, and, you know, people look at the alleged looting and um, rioting right now. And of course it is happening. Um, and not, I, and not that I condone it, um, but I completely understand it um, because no one's listening to us. No one is listening to a word that we're saying. And it's like, you know, the, the, the kid is that, that is just crying or having the temper tantrum and trying to show you in some way, shape or form that I hate, listen to me. And people are just so fixated on the behavior. And by the way, of course, we talked about the fact that, you know, there, there's media exacerbating the, the, the fear and the um, public outcry um, because they are hyper-focused on the smaller incidences of these um, riots and these um, looting incidents. Um, but they don't talk about the fact that the vast majority of the protests 
around the country are peaceful. Or that there are underground groups who, again, it's a tr- it's a multi-pronged system of controlling the narrative. Because True. this is the death throes of the ten- temper tantrum, actually, of the system. Oh, this definitely. This is the temper tantrum of the people. This, this is the temper tantrum of who it's threatening. It's yeah. threatening the people in power. And that's why you see members of the KKK driving from out of state. Mm-hmm. You see the... How do you think the looters and the protesters are the same people? They're not. And there's even instances where part of the looting was something like protesters come with peaceful intentions and are not prepared for rubber bullets and mace. So they partially raid a Rite Aid to get hydrogen Mm -hmm. peroxide and aid and milk and whatever else they need. That's part of what this looting is, but it shows you we really have a disconnect between the values we love to spout off that we espouse without holding nobody accountable Mm -hmm. that we actually embody these values. Because if we did, we would not be talking about a couple buildings of multi-billion dollar companies being Mm -hmm. having a little damage rather than the injustices that these riots are about. And and that is the thing that kills me or it just, it, it just annoys me because I'm just like, <laughs> but you're not really focusing on the problem at hand. You're looking at the behaviors, you're looking at the symptoms, but what is the core issue? Why is it that, you know, people are acting out, people are hurt, they're angered, they're traumatized, mm-hmm. re-traumatized, re-traumatized because we, this keeps happening and they want to be heard, but they don't think about the psychological effects that it has on Black people. Um, but when you have individuals, and I don't, I won't even mention his name, but the the gentleman, not the gentleman, the man that went into the church, you know, in South Carolina and killed nine individuals, innocent, you know, people that are just there having Bible study, um, they look at people like him this white man and say, oh, well, you know, he, he has some psychological issues, you know, he, he's, you know, he, he needs to work some things out, but they never give a a black person or a black man the same benefit of the doubt. Um, There's the the idea of this fundamental um, attribution area error. So if you do this one thing, this is central to your character, as opposed to just being something that you're responding to in the moment. So they attribute all these things to us and being central to our character in general, when I'm just thinking to myself, okay, as individuals, as human beings, we all have different personalities. We have different characters. It doesn't matter that we're all black. We, we operate in very different ways, but because you feel, you see things one way about black people, you attribute that to every black person that you see. And it's very unfair and it's something we have to battle on a daily basis. This is again going back to keeping yourself accountable to that because the way that that is done is that it's intentional. The powers that be want control of the narrative Mm -hmm. and they will make you a servant to that narrative. So do you understand when you're announcing, I'm not where you're doing all of this, that you're actually announcing, I pledge allegiance to that system. Mm-hmm. I pledge allegiance to those powers that be the, who are using me to carry out an agenda, to keep control of a narrative, to keep control of the way that you are perceiving the world that would make you perceive someone 
with a different skin color to you, you're, you, they, they gave you that narrative. So oh, they definitely. see within a black person what they told you to see. And that black person is powerless when you've been mm-hmm. taken over by your confirmation bias to show you who they are. And that's exactly what it is. It, uh, you, you feel like you have to prove yourself to people like, Hey, that, that's not me. And quite frankly, I'm too old to try to prove myself to anybody. <laughs> I, I could care less. Uh, you know, it is what it is. I am who I am <laughs> and I'm not going to try to prove myself to, if you choose to take the time and space to get to know me as a person, that's awesome. Um, but for anybody that is out there that wants to be a true ally, I encourage you to think for yourself, like, like for yourselves, like I said, there's a narrative that is out there that um, could not be further from the truth. Um, that you, you have to get no, to know each individual person that you encounter uh, for the person that he or she is, they, who, whatever the pronoun they use, you have to get to know them for them. Yeah. Um, because there is no one size fits all, no matter what race or ethnicity it is. Yeah. It just, and I just don't understand why people don't get that. You know, when you think about your own household, you know, your personality could be very different than your daughters and your sons. So why do you think that's not the case for a, a group of people, a race of people? So silly. It really is. Like, it's so ignorant and backward. And I just, I don't know. There's hope. There, I, th- I hope that it, as I look at my own story and the way that I've evolved and the way that consciousness mm-hmm. has been opened through the information age, through through people being held accountable by phones and things being able to be visible sure. that went unvisible. I hope that there's a lesson that some of these people that are oppressors today are going to be allies tomorrow. I hope. And, and that's my hope. And, you know, I, I have that small um, mustard seed size faith. <laughs> that things can change because y- you gotta have you gotta hold on to that hope because otherwise it's depressing um yeah. and i realized that there are some people that fundamentally have no desire to change and there is nothing i can do about that yeah. um but i what i am willing to do is to um have the conversations with the people that are are willing to see themselves and are willing to change and want to want just proactive, actionable advice and resources and tips on how to do that. Yeah, I, I'd be glad that you know to connect with those people. We're going to leave some resources in the show notes because people should be reading sure. books by African American authors. Yes, and describing the struggle. I was saw a thing yesterday that was talking about, and it's, this is kind of like the male gaze thing. And we did briefly mention like where mm-hmm. does misogyny and racism collide? They're evil twins. They're the same thing in that they are this power grab by an oppressor. Mm-hmm. to yeah. marginalize one community so that another one can be privileged. And it double dips for women like you, because mm-hmm. now you are, you, you're the target for both of those things, which is atrocious. But um, the male gazy thing within the racism thing is that you're hearing words about the African-American experience through the white lens, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why part of keeping your account, you yourself accountable, go follow making it a, a commitment to go follow people on Instagram, TikTok, wherever it is that you're following people. Definitely. African American voices, read African American voices in your literature, in your books, and make a commitment 
stop with these one phrases that shut down the conversation of I'm not a racist, white privilege isn't real, sources of like the most racist one-known people <laughs> on our planet is your source, and go educate yourself through these people and if you give me one more link to I don't even know these people because I don't I I don't have TV but like a Ben Shapiro I don't even know who these people are (laughs) Fox News like don't don't do it don't say it to me and and, and and that's the thing there are so many resources out there there's no excuse for ignorance um if you can take a stand, you know, and, and I, I'm pro doggy, so I'm not saying this against, but if you can take a stand against, you know, when people are out there killing dogs, um, if you took a, bi- a bigger stand for that than you do uh, a, a, just a human being that is being murdered as well, um, then there's something there you need to explore uh, and question. Again, I love dogs, so I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, dogs are any less than, you know, any human being. But the point is, if you take a stand for that, but you have nothing to say about this, then there's something for you to kind of look into a little deeper. That's all. Agreed. And the spiritual community and sure. people with veganism, PETA. Thank you for saying it because I've noticed it too. And it incites just this subtle rage within me at the hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And um, hold, hold, I'm holding the creators that I follow accountable on every platform that I'm on. Hold mm-hmm. me accountable, please. Um, and, and we need to move forward together. I, absolutely. I, I tell people all the time, I, I, I use this in my workshops that you have your IRA, your, your investment account. Um, and it really is being intentional. Mm-hmm. being in, responsible and being accountable for how you move in whatever way it is. So if it's communication or being an ally, investing in your IRA, yeah. um, whatever that thing might be. Yeah. And, you know, sh- making sure you, again, shop black at this point in time. Now's the time to amplify melanated voices because um, oftentimes our voices are uh, definitely muted <laughs> mm-hmm. at times. Um, so, Share um, information you know about amazing Black people out there. Um, share resources. If you know, you know, shop Black at this point in time. Um, donate to causes. Um, there are so many different ways to serve as an ally. And I just encourage you to find the way that feels best to you. But again, have the conversations with self first and foremost uh, about really and truly, you know, where you are. Yeah. That's right. And what about all of this makes you uncomfortable? And what do you need to explore? And also check in on those around you that you call friend. Oh, I love that. Well, where can people find you, your website, your podcast, connect with you? Um, so the podcast again is called All Things Unlearned, and um, I am. It's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher at this point in time, and will be on other po- uh, podcast platforms. Um, but you can also find me at cachetprescott.com. Um, and I, I would love to connect with anybody that, again, if you call yourself an ally and you want to uh, learn more, I will be glad to have conversations with you. Cache, it has been my honor and pleasure. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I know it is in deep service and is going to help a lot of people. And thank you for making the space for the conversation. 
thank you so much to Cache for being here and for her generosity in all ways. Thank you for being here and listening and for getting something out of this interview. I hope that you leave this moment um, with a greater commitment to uh, hold yourself accountable, to take a look in the mirror, to hold the people that you follow accountable, to hold your religions and governments accountable. Um, I know that there's some scary conversations for some of you who, um, you know, if change is on the horizon and we're going to create a new world and what does that look like and where is my place within it? I understand. I understand how uncertain that sounds. And I understand how scary or confronting that must be if you weren't anticipating these changes, if if you hadn't been dreaming of a, of a world that was different from the one that we have and you were comfortable and you were safe. I understand how uprooting and, and decentering this is. I understand if there are um, things that you're seeing that are kind of alarming to your senses of wanting homeostasis, such as defund the police and, and these kinds of um, things that feel inflammatory to you and aggressive and maybe even, um, I don't know, what's the word, like a, like a personal attack, sort of. But I promise if you dedicate yourself to educating yourself, to looking within your mind, searching within your heart and soul for your own confirmation bias, which is the need that you have and that I have to have the world conform to the way that we saw it before or want to see it or conforms to the values that we hold dear. And the world is bending outwardly <laughs> from all of our confirmation bias. Finally, thankfully, wonderfully. But yes, I understand anecdotally, person by person, that there's a relationship to that if that wasn't, if these changes weren't what you were anticipating or desiring. However, it's here and it's exciting and you can be a part of it and I can be a part of it. And I encourage you to seek information outside of your comfort zone from reliable sources and especially from authors, with black voices, black creators, um, and begin to widen your circle and and your bubble and I promise I'll be on that journey with you I'll be holding myself accountable I'm holding the people that I'm asking you to hold accountable accountable and let's just remember that like this is has the chance to just be a really amazing moment of unity and connection if we let it okay I will see you next week, maybe a little earlier. I've been meaning to, I've been posting the show as Thursdays at 11 p.m., even if I have to backdate it <laughs> by a couple hours or a day. Um, but I, I think that's just not working for me. So I wanted to move it up anyway. So I might move it up to Tuesday or Wednesday. I'll keep you posted on my socials at Natalie Q on Instagram, at Natalie.Q on TikTok, natalieq.com, my website, of course, where you can get my free accountability journal. Um, visit Cache's links, please. They'll be in the uh, show notes. Connect with her. And thank you again. 